Good Thursday. This is Ozarks at Large for March 17th, 2022. I'm Timothy Dennis. And I'm Kyle Kelms. Happy St. Patrick's Day. In just a few minutes, the economics of gas prices. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore has that report. And later, we try to cover as much of the live music schedule for the next seven days as we can and find out how the Oxford American is bringing music and visual art to a live audience at 21C in Bentonville next week. First, gas prices. The price you pay at the pump has reached an all-time high in the United States as of today. The national average gas price is $4.29, according to AAA's analysis. Whether it was during the recession in 2008 or the combination of high inflation and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the scapegoat ends up being, often, the president of the United States. But how much authority does the president have in these situations? Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore explains. When the price of fuel goes up in America, it's pretty obvious. For one thing, they put the price on signs that are like 20 feet up in the air with size 600 font. And two, Americans are very dependent on gas-powered cars to get around. A little clarity before we get too far here. I use the terms fuel and gas pretty interchangeably throughout this story and my interviews. This also includes diesel as well, since those prices are extremely high. But the topic we're referencing is fuel for motor vehicles. There are essentially four factors that determine the price of gas, the cost of crude oil, refining costs, distribution, and taxes. Here's Nick Jabaria from AAA. The main driving factor behind uh, fuel costs in general, and certainly in the last, uh, you know, 10 days to two weeks when we've seen prices uh, really, you know, take off at the pump, is the price of crude oil. Crude oil, of course, a, a major component of uh, producing gasoline, uh, accounts for about 50 to 60 percent of what drivers pay at the pump. So uh, when we're seeing crude oil prices rise, get, you know, largely in the last couple of weeks as a result of the Russia-Ukraine conflict and escalation there, that's where we're seeing pump prices rise as well. One of the things I didn't hear you say was politicians or presidents. Is there any spot in those factors where a politician can sway or make an impact in a substantial way? You know, it's, it's sort of like any other transportation costs or any other industries, you know, from a public policy perspective, from a legislative perspective. Uh, there are, of course, uh, you know, incentives or disincentives, uh, you know, that that uh, legislators can put on certain industries. Uh, but it, when we're looking at, um, you know, really the, the four main categories that go into, uh, you know, retail gasoline prices, politics is not necessarily going to be a immediate factor. Again, you know, that could come more into play uh, in the long run or would have more of a overarching impact rather than an impact on, you know, daily price changes. So where does this idea stem from that presidents are to blame for the price of gas? Andrew Dowdle is a professor of political science at the University of Arkansas, and he says presidents have long been blamed for things that were not necessarily their fault. Uh, there was even one study that suggested in the 1916 presidential election that Woodrow Wilson did worse in areas in New Jersey, in beach communities where there had been recent shark attacks than those that had it. And looking at that, you know, that's that's obviously something that presidents don't have a major amount of control over. To be fair, there are some counter studies that have looked at that and said uh, there's probably a lot more there than just the start shark attacks. But you can certainly end up seeing, looking at that, that presidents get blamed for things that they're not accountable for. There has been no exculpatory evidence to prove that Charles Evan Hughes, Woodrow Wilson's opponent in the 1916 election, had anything to do with the shark attack press. And if you're like me, you probably just learned that Charles Evans Hughes was Woodrow Wilson's opponent in the 1916 election. So why associate the rise in gas prices with the president? Well, for one thing, it's that gas is what economists would call an inelastic good. Let's think about the grocery store for a moment. On your list, you have milk. Now, normally, you get 2%. But when you get there, you see that they're out of 2%. But there is skim milk. And actually, there's a sale on almond milk. And you've been meaning to try that out, so you might as well give it a shot now. If you drive a gas-powered car, there's not really... A an almond milk equivalent. 
Plus, the price of milk may be out of your control, but it's not necessarily a make-it-or-break-it item for consumers. Gas is. Andrew Dowdle again. You drive down the road, you don't see the price of milk, but you always see the price of gas. Uh, there's no Milk Buddy app on your phone. In other words, you feel it when you're paying for this and almost everybody ends up having some tangible cost of this. And it's also, it's something that's easy to determine. What is the current inflation rate? How's the war in Ukraine going? If you were listening to the news, it may be hard to get a definitive matter-of-fact answer on these issues. But if you look at the price of gas, it's pretty easy to determine if gas prices are going up or down. You know, it doesn't take a lot of extra effort to get that information. You then look at that and say, well, how much did the president control? Is this a fair indicator? Probably not, but that's not just limited to the economy. Dowdle makes the analogy of natural disasters and how American presidents respond to those. Obviously, presidents are not responsible for hurricanes or major weather events, but Americans certainly base their opinions on how a president responds to such emergencies. There's been a number of studies that have looked at natural disasters. And if you look at natural disasters, they have a negative effect on presidential votes in the communities they occur. And some of that may be a perception of an ineffective response. So, for example, you can look at George Herbert Walker Bush during Hurricane Andrew, George W. Bush during Hurricane Katrina, as opposed to Barack Obama and his response during Superstorm Sandy, which is perceived to be effective, and also importantly had the cross-party validation from the Republican New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Let's say that you're a colleague of Jen Psaki, the, the press secretary for President Joe Biden, and she comes to you and she says, Andrew, I need to come up with a statement to tell the American people that no president is really to blame or to praise for the price of fuel. What would you say to her or how would you portray to the American people that um, the price of fuel is really not all that dependent on the president? Well, you know, actually, in this case, the truth may not be your friend or ally. What my suggestion would be is to learn a lesson from disaster control and management that, you know, because a disaster happens and it's beyond the control of a president that it ends up occurring, uh, is not going to end up being an excuse. But if you look at response to natural disasters, I would end up saying that a lot of times it's the question of, is there appearance that you're trying to end up making some sort of effort to end up resolving the problem? So, in this case, I would talk about, you know, attempts to try to end up opening up the strategic reserve. I would talk about discussions with other countries, for example, in OPEC about increasing supplies of gasoline. I would talk about other measures that we're trying to do. So I think instead of just kind of saying, well, it's not our problem, uh, we're not responsible and throwing up our hands, you want to end up kind of discussing at that point. What are the alternatives that you're trying to do? And, you know, they may not be effective alternatives, but I think at least you end up getting an A for effort, if not an A for outcome. The moral of the story, the high prices aren't really the president's fault, but that doesn't mean the president shouldn't take action. For Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. The Arkansas Center for Health Improvement is releasing a new report that shows the number of Arkansas public school students with a body mass index measurement in the obese range has hit a record level during the pandemic. The report, released yesterday, places slightly more than one in four Arkansas public school students with a BMI reading classified as obese. This new report finds 26% of students, up from the previous year's 22.9%, are in that obese range. The increase occurring as the first wave of the pandemic swept across the state. Mike Motley, AKI Director of Analytics, says the increase is likely a result of a reduction in physical activity and reduced access to healthy school meals. According to the Centers for Disease Control, Arkansas ranks 47th among states for obesity among adults, with 36% of the adult population designated as obese in 2020. 
Support for KUAF comes from Malco Theaters, offering reserved seating at the Rogers Cinema Grill, Springdale Cinema Grill, and Razorback Cinema Grill and IMAX Theater in Fayetteville. Showtimes, tickets, and more information available at malco.com or the Malco app. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, welcoming classic country rock group Nitty Gritty Dirt Band to the auditorium in Eureka Springs Thursday, June 9th. Band hits include Mr. Bojangles, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, House at Pooh Corner, and more. Tickets are available online at tickets at thundertix.com. The 2022 Arkansas NCAA Basketball Tournament experience gets underway tonight. The men's team will face Vermont for a scheduled 8:20 tip-off in Key Bank Center in Buffalo. That game is going to be shown on TNT. The women's team starts tournament play tomorrow afternoon at 4.30 against Utah in the Irwin Center in Austin, Texas. Now the Razorback baseball team is off today before starting their first SEC series of the season tomorrow against Kentucky in Bomb Stadium in Fayetteville. Razorbacks will play at 6.30 Friday and Saturday nights and then noon Sunday. Yesterday, the Razorbacks completed a two-game sweep of Arkansas Pine Bluff to improve to 13-3. and The Razorback softball team, ranked 8th in the country, is also starting the conference season this weekend, but away from home. Arkansas plays Tennessee three times in Knoxville, beginning at 5 o'clock tomorrow evening. And the University of Arkansas Fort Smith baseball team is spending the weekend in Portales, New Mexico, for a four-game set with Eastern New Mexico University. The Lions will next play at Crowder Field in Fort Smith, March 25th, against Cameron University. Welcome to today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. Paul Gatling here with you. The good news just keeps coming for AcreTrader. That's the Fayetteville company that runs an online farmland investing platform. On Tuesday, the company said it had expanded its $40 million Series B funding round to $60 million. That followed an investment from a venture capital firm in Ohio. AcreTrader announced the $40 million Series B round in January. With the additional capital, the company plans to finalize a land mapping and analytics platform and keep hiring people. In a little more than a year, Acre Trader has gone from about 15 employees to nearly 75. The company's revenues have grown five-fold over the past year, its customer base has tripled, and the amount of land going live on its platform has more than doubled. You can read more about this week's Acre Trader news on our website, at nwabusinessjournal.com. After the break, UAMS Chancellor Dr. Cam Patterson discusses the decline of the Omicron variant of COVID-19 in Arkansas and what he expects to happen next. You are listening to the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create health care solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Dr. Cam Patterson, Chancellor for the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, said he is feeling optimistic about the Omicron surge of COVID-19, but warns that other variants are coming and the risk of another worldwide pandemic will eventually test the resolve of public health officials yet again. Appearing on a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock, Patterson says Arkansas's case numbers and hospitalization rates have been falling in recent weeks, and that is the source of his optimism. I'm feeling optimistic that we have clearly turned the corner on the Omicron surge, which has been the uh, the hardest surge on our healthcare system here in the state of Arkansas. 
you know, we, we uh, continued to see the downward trend. Uh, we were at about 100 patients with COVID uh, six weeks ago. Last week, uh, 26 patients um, in the hospital with COVID-19. Uh, today, 12 patients in the hospital with, with COVID-19. So uh, the tr trends are all going in the right direction. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we've had um, almost 11,000 deaths uh, from COVID-19 in, in the state of Arkansas. Uh, we've had uh, a lot of uh, serious stressors to our healthcare systems. Um, and uh, the problem is not completely going away. So uh, we may be starting to see the beginning of the end here, uh, or at least uh, uh, the transition from COVID-19 to uh, an endemic from pandemic situation and, and turning it into a seasonal re respiratory virus, but we're not there yet. Uh, you also said that your teams are predicting that there will likely be continuing surges of new variants, but there's reasons to believe that those surges will become less severe over time. Uh, where does that optimism come from? And maybe explain the science or the medicine behind that. Right. Well, you know, you know, in between um, people who've been exposed to COVID-19, who've been infected with COVID-19 and people who have gotten uh, the vaccine, uh, slightly over half of eligible Arkansans have been uh, vaccinated for COVID-19. Uh, there's enough community protection that uh, it's getting harder and harder for each new strain uh, to uh, create a beachhead here in the state of Arkansas. Now, as long as the virus continues to circulate, it's going to continue to mutate and we'll continue to have new strains. Uh, but hopefully there's enough protection in the community that each successive surge from new strains that, that appear here in Arkansas uh, will be less and less and less. So, you know, it's sort of like a, a wave that ripples down over time. Um, we, we don't know that for sure. We don't have a crystal ball, but uh, our best predictions are suggesting that that's what the future holds for us. Um, are we on the road or will we eventually get to the point where we are treating COVID-19 um, like the annual flu? You're going to go get an annual shot. There will be therapies that can help you if you detect early enough that you have some of the symptoms. Is is that where we're somewhat headed? I, I think that that's likely to be the case. And, and I think five years from now, COVID-19 will uh, look a whole lot more like um, uh, a seasonal influenza than a succession of surges the way we're seeing it now. Uh, as we get more exposure, um, as we uh, have um, more community protection, and hopefully as we have more people who are vaccinated, now, you know, the good news, Roby, is that uh, the companies that manufacture vaccines are actually looking to manufacture vaccines that will protect you against COVID-19, influenza, and RSV all at the same time. So I can envision uh, a time, uh, hopefully not too far in, in the future, where we get one shot a year and it protects us against all of the seasonal respiratory viruses. I don't think this is an impossible scenario that we could see another worldwide pandemic. It may be a different disease. It may not be a novel coronavirus. It could be something else likely to happen in our lifetime, just based on what we've seen over the last two years plus. Do you think that the political division and the, and the different ways that we kind of came at um, attacking this uh, pandemic, do you think we're going to be able to handle a crisis like that better next time? Or do you think that you know, it's going to be more difficult. Well, you know, we, we've uh, learned some things. So, uh, you know, I do think that we need to uh, reflect on what we've learned uh, about COVID-19. Roby, you're right. You know, we are going to see uh, a, another pandemic that may be not as bad, as bad or, or worse than COVID-19 in the future. You know, in the, in the past 20 years, we've had several near misses. COVID-19 has been uh, the... Um, only infection that has turned into a worldwide pandemic, but we've had several near misses. So uh, new viruses pop up periodically and, uh, you know, it's a roll of the dice, whether uh, one turns into a worldwide pandemic or not. I hope that uh, as uh, the heat turns down on COVID-19, we all, every one of us has a chance to do some reflection and to think about what worked and what didn't work. Um, the you know, the divides that were created that didn't need to be there um, and how we avoid uh, having that happen in, in the first at Roby is that we didn't do more before the vaccines were available to educate the public about the safety of vaccines. Uh, we're going to have to do a better job of that before 
then the next vaccine comes along so that um, we don't have suspicion and um, uh, you know false information uh, about the vaccines influencing what people do next time. And that's UAMS Chancellor Dr. Cam Patterson. You can watch that full interview over on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. In other headlines this week, Dr. Tracy Gaudette has resigned as the founding executive director of Alice Walton's Whole Health Institute in Bentonville. Gaudette transitioned out of the job last week. Walt Cooper, a health innovation leader who most recently worked for Walmart, is her replacement. Northwest Arkansas Community College in-district tuition will increase by more than 5% beginning this fall. The college's board of trustees approved the higher tuition and fee schedules on Monday. The new rate will be $79 per credit hour. It's the first adjustment for in-district tuition since 2013. In-district students are those who live in Benton County. And if you haven't already, be sure and check out our new issue of the magazine that's out this week, featuring our annual lists of the top residential real estate agents and firms in Northwest Arkansas. You can read the digital version for free at nwabusinessjournal.com. I'm Paul Gatling, and that is the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. I am in the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio with Timothy Dennis. Hi. Hey. All right, Timothy, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Right. But we have fewer than 2,000 active cases for the first time since June. Correct. We have a forecast that has the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Right. It's been a while since we've had this kind of combination. That doesn't mean you ha- you can't let your guard down. Right, right, we're right. But let's talk about seeing live music if people are ready to do that. Yes, and there are ample opportunities this weekend. I think there are no less than, no less than at least three dozen shows this weekend that I've found. And you can't do them all. Which means I probably have missed at least a dozen or two here and there. But anyway, let's start with tonight. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have the Brothers Shreve on stage. This will be fun. Yeah. Benjamin Dell and Randall, they both put on great shows by themselves. This seems like a once-every-decade type show. I mean, when was the last time you saw them or heard of them playing together? You know, I don't think I've ever seen them play together. I don't think I have. And it's I can't tell you the last time because the last two years have just kind of fogged my brain. Right, right, right. Tickets for that show are $15. That gets underway at 8 o'clock tonight. Again, that's at George's in downtown Fayetteville. Moving on to tomorrow night. Still at George's, they're going to have a jam band type show featuring Friends of the Family and Country Jesus. Nice. Cover for that show is $10. That gets underway at 9.30 tomorrow night again. That's at George's in Fayetteville. Elsewhere in Fayetteville tomorrow night, 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville is going to have Circle of Thirds on stage. gets underway at 8 o'clock tomorrow night at 612 Coffee House in Fayetteville. We will have Circle of Thirds on our show in the very near future. I'm excited about that. Also in Fayetteville, Friday night, Nomad's Trailside is going to have a rock and roll show featuring Tiny Towns, Elements, and Frail State. That show gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. has a cover of $10. Again, that's at Nomad's Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. Levi's Gastro Lounge up in Rogers. They're restarting live music at their space. Excellent. Uh, Tomorrow night, they're going to have Jimmy Wayne Garrett, great blues musician from the area. That gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Levi's Gastro Lounge in Rogers. Over in Siloam Springs, the Parkhouse Kitchen is going to have the Dirty Seconds Band on stage. Nice. They play a little bit of various flavors of rock and roll. Yeah. 
That show gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, again at the Parkhouse Kitchen in Siloam. Over in the other springs, Eureka Springs, Got a Whole Brewing is going to have singer-songwriter Jeremiah Griffin on stage. That show gets underway at 5 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Got a Whole Brewing in Eureka Springs. Boy, I wish you were about to tell me someone who was playing live in Sulphur Springs, but <laughs> that's probably not... That's probably a little bit of a tall ass. Yeah. Moving on to Saturday, JJ's live in Fayetteville with another top bill featuring Puddle of Mud. Ah! Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is the schizophrenic psycho. Tickets for that show start at $25. That gets underway at 7.30 Saturday evening again at JJ's Live in North Fayetteville. In downtown Fayetteville Saturday night, George's is going to have kind of a funky show featuring Mildenhall and the One Ounce Jig. When I was a child, I was weightless. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tickets for that show are $8. That gets underway at 8.30 Saturday night, again at George's in downtown Fayetteville. Going back to Midtown Fayetteville Saturday night, Nomad's Trailside is having another rock and roll show featuring Vela and Fight Dream. That show starts at 9 p.m. Saturday night. Again, that's at Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville. Moving on, Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville is going to have the next edition of Soul Night, an event, monthly event hosted by Music Moves. Mm-hmm. This month, they're featuring Dee Dee Jones. Cover for that show starts at $10. That gets underway at 9 o'clock Saturday evening, again at Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville. Over in Siloam Springs Saturday night, Parkhouse Kitchen is going to have rock and roll band Magnolia Brown on stage. Okay. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's the Parkhouse Kitchen in Siloam Springs. Over at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs, Dance Monkey Dance will bring his one-man band of folk music to their mm-hmm. stage. That gets underway at 9.30 Saturday evening again at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. Down in Fort Smith Saturday evening, uh, Majestic is going to have the great singer-songwriter David Ramirez on stage. Oh, fun. It's gonna be days when you hate me It's gonna be days when I make you mad Gonna be days that is actually a free show. Really? Yes. Gets underway at about 8 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at the Majestic in Fort Smith. So in Fort Smith Saturday night, uh, Temple Live is going to have country singer Tyler Rich on stage. Tickets start at $20. That starts at 8 p.m. Saturday evening at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Got to back up a second. Uh, over in Eureka Springs Saturday night, Got a Whole Brewing is going to have uh, favorites of us here at Ozarks at Large, Route 358. Oh, fun. I like them so much. That show gets underway at 5 o'clock Saturday evening again at Godahold Brewing in Eureka Springs. Sunday night, Smoke and Barrel Tavern in Fayetteville having another Sunday evening rock and roll show. This time featuring the Flims, Benadryl, D-R-I-L-L, and John Charles. All right. Uh, cover for that show is $10. That gets underway at 8 o'clock Sunday night at the Smoke and Barrel Tavern in Fayetteville. Then jumping ahead to Wednesday, George is in Fayetteville, is going to have Yonder Mountain String Band on stage. So if you want to go see it. Yeah, you buy tickets yeah, now because yeah. they will sell out. They always sell out. Oh, and I imagine 
now yeah now especially you, you might be trying you're like even yeah. buying them right now yeah uh tickets are 25 dollars in advance they go up to 30 dollars the day of if they're even available that gets underway at 8 30 wednesday night at george's in fayetteville and one more show next wednesday Eureka Springs, the auditorium, is going to have the one, the only Lyle Lovett on stage. I've seen him a couple times. He does not disappoint. He is fun, he's engaging, and of course, his songwriting skills are at the top. And if I had a boat, I'd go out on the ocean. And if I had a pony, I'd ride him on my boat. And we could all together go out on the ocean. I mean, he seems like the songwriter's songwriter, the performer's performer, and he's just, he just seems like a great guy. He does, and uh, yeah, that's going to be a great show. Uh, tickets for that show, the ones that are left, are around $85. That gets underway at 7.30 next Wednesday at the City Auditorium in Eureka Springs. All right, Timothy, thank you so much. Thank you. Cryptocurrency, NFTs, the metaverse. Blockchain. These are terms you may be hearing more frequently these days. But what do they mean? Join KUAF for Blockchain, the Future of Money, a new podcast where we will discuss all things in the realm of digital money, markets, the future of the internet, and more. Blockchain, the Future of Money, a new podcast from KUAF, available at KUAF.com and anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis. All right, Timothy. Today is St. Patrick's Day. Yep. We're going to play the game, How Far Can We Stretch a Metaphor? This is a day associated with green, and there are many things to share today that are associated in some way, at least in some way, with green. For instance, green can be slang for money, and Northwest Arkansas Community College in Bentonville has a new $25,000 donation to help students in financial need and participating in cross-country. The gift is from George Westmoreland and family. Westmoreland now lives in Hot Springs, but for years was a businessman in Northwest Arkansas, retiring from Merrill Lynch in 2005, and graduated from the University of Arkansas with a degree in banking and finance. Crowdfunding experts will host a series of free programs April 5th and 6th for entrepreneurs, business owners, and potential retail investors. The Northwest Arkansas Council is hosting the four sessions with support from the Walton Family Foundation. According to a press release from the Northwest Arkansas Council, entrepreneurs and business owners will learn about equity and debt crowdfunding and get a better understanding of the tools available to help raise capital. Retail investors will learn best practices for investing in startups and what to look for when evaluating potential ventures. More information available at startupnwa.com. Green is also synonymous with the environment. Monday, Bella Vista Mayor Peter Christie will lead a tree planting ceremony and Arbor Day observation along the Little Sugar Trails. The ceremony will be held Monday afternoon at 2 at the future location of Burksdale Park, near the future location of the Reardon Trailhead along Reardon Road. Attendees can park at the trailhead located at the Kingsdale Complex to Kingsdale Lane. Two 10-gallon American sycamore trees have been given to the city of Bella Vista by the Arkansas Forestry Commission. Bella Vista, again, has been approved by the Arkansas Forestry Commission and the Arbor Day Foundation as a Tree City USA in 2022. Free trees are going to be available in select towns this month and next. The giveaways are coordinated by the Arkansas Department of Agriculture's Forestry Division in recognition of Arbor Day. Giveaways of bare root seedlings will take place from 1 to 3 p.m. Friday, March 25th at the Peach Pit in Clarksville and from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Friday, April 15th at Fountain Park on the Berryville Square. And then on Friday, April 22nd, there will be a giveaway in Fayetteville from 11 until 2 at the Unitarian Church. Look for more details at agriculture.arkansas.gov. Green can also refer to inexperienced or new. And those new to archery can get better during spring break at the new Quiver Archery Range in Bentonville. The Quiver Family Pass is now available at the range for only $50 an hour, with up to four people included. The range is open Wednesday through Sunday from 11 to 7, and you can find out more at thequiverarchery.com. And you don't have to be green with envy because you missed out on the theater-squared run of Tiger Sound. Look, we warned you we were going to stretch this green thing as far as we could. Theater Squared is adding seven more performances of Mike Lou's comedy about siblings that promises to put the fun in dysfunctional. The production will now run through April 10th. More information at theater2.org. 
This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We opened Sound Perimeter today with an excerpt from Spanish composer Joaquin Rodrigo, Concierto de Aranjuez, Second Movement. This piece, written in 1939, is one of the most famous and popular works written for guitar. This particular movement, Adagio, features a dialogue between the soloist and orchestral wind instruments, highlighting especially the English horn. This piece evokes nostalgia and days past in the Aranjuez Gardens, a very famous site near Madrid filled with magnolia trees, bird singing and fountains. This is a live version from Radio and Televisión Orchestra of Spain under the baton of Carlos Calmar and Pablo Sainz Villegas as a soloist, recorded in the Teatro Monumental de Madrid in 2015. That was the Radio and Television Orchestra of Spain under the baton of Carlos Calmar and Pablo Sainz Villegas as a soloist, recorded in the Teatro Monumental de Madrid in 2015, interpreting an excerpt from Joaquín Rodrigo's Concierto de Aranjuez, Second Movement. Argentinian composer Claudia Montero emerged as one of the most outstanding and acclaimed composers in Latin America. She wrote music deeply rooted in South American traditions. The winner of four Latin Grammys, Claudia left us earlier this year after battling cancer. This piece, Tres Colores Porteños, Azul, Gris y Rojo, is a suite for solo guitar that describes three vivid colors of Buenos Aires landscape, blue, gray, and red. Let us listen to an excerpt from Gris, Gray, interpreted by Spanish guitarist Silvia Nogales Barrios, recorded in 2020.
That was Spanish guitarist Silvia Nogales Barrios interpreting Greece, Grey, from Tres Colores Porteños, a piece by Argentinian composer Claudia Montero. Today we have allowed the guitar to take us on an evocative journey from Spain to Buenos Aires. Before we close Sound Perimeter, there is one last stop, this time Cuba, as we listen to composer Leo Brower's version of the traditional Cuban lullaby, Drumene Grita, interpreted by Tavi Ginario. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. This is Ozarks at Large. If you're a supporter of public radio, why? Think about it for a moment. You support so many groups and individuals for the role they play in our local communities, and you know that KUAF has filled that role for over 37 years with programs like Ozarks at Large, The Pick and Post, or The Community Spotlight, or maybe the factual, in-depth, trustworthy news and information from NPR is why you give to your public radio station. What's the reason you support KUAF? We really want to know. You can use the Connect button on the KUAF app for iPhone to instantly leave your message, or you can call the KUAF Connect line, 479-575-6577. That's 575-6577. KUAF Connect, connecting you to your community and beyond. And thank you for being a listener and supporter of your public radio station, KUAF. This is the music of Buffalo Nichols. song, Lost and Lonesome, can be found on Buffalo Nichols' self-titled CD. He says his music comes from a Baptist church and bars in Milwaukee, as well as a trip through West Africa and Europe. He'll be at 21C in Bentonville Monday evening as part of a live taping of Oxford Americans' Points South podcast. Yesterday, we reached Sarah Lewis with the podcast by Zoom. She says the Point South podcast is just like the Oxford American magazine with the versatility of audio. And the great thing about audio and the podcast being an extension of the magazine is that you actually get to hear the music that we're talking about. Uh, We so often write about music and we have live events, but we've really gotten to use the podcast to showcase all these wonderful artists that we have relationships with and to bring sound into the storytelling. So I, I say a magazine style podcast because we have adaptations of the stories that are in the magazine. We have question and answers. We have um, just conversations with interesting people, long form storytelling about deep topics that are underrepresented in our media. And then 
really cool, intimate live music performances. Nice segue, because there will be music at 21C. Yeah, I am so excited about getting back into events. I can't tell you. That was one of the coolest things about working for the Oxford American is the curation of, of live events. And what better place to have an event than 21C? Who are your guests going to be Monday? So we're bringing in two guests. The first is a visual artist who's actually from Arkansas or lives in Arkansas, Aluwa Toby Adewumi. Um, Toby's work is really an experience of the African diaspora and immigration and Black experience in general. And then we'll also have folk blues guitarist and singer-songwriter Buffalo Nichols, who explores a lot of the same things in his music. I was excited to see in both of their artist statements this term of unlearning, where they're really interested in exploring art and unlearning some of the things that we have accepted as uh, viewers of, of Western art and the way that Black experiences and ownership of those experiences can be conveyed to, to a contemporary audience. So they will be great in, in conversation with one another. Yeah, that's the format here. You're going to have the guests. Uh, it'll be conversation. There will be music. It, and it's, it's going to be sort of an intimate affair, it sounds like. It is. Um, if you've been to 21C, you know, there's a, a lot of wonderful spaces and we're in, you know, a space where I think probably about a hundred people. So we'll talk about how people need to sign up and get their tickets fast, but it will be an intimate gathering. And that's, I think exactly what we want to do. We want it to feel like a conversation in the literal sense, in terms of us just sitting in the den, talking together about art but also in the figurative sense of like, or the thematic sense of the ways that these pieces of art intersect. And, and I have to say, um, we have a, a bit of a surprise that I'm, I'm, I'll just put, get out now, which I'm really excited about, is that um, the OA's editor, Daniel A. Jackson, is actually going to come in town for this and facilitate uh, much of the conversation. So as somebody who is, as knowledgeable and as interested in the blues and, and contemporary visual art as Danielle is, this will be a fantastic, fabulous conversation. And I just get to be the person to facilitate it. So I get to feel a little bit like a guest with um, tiny bit of moderating responsibility, but mostly getting to sit back and listen to three incredible minds um, shoot the stuff in, in this intimate setting. How, how do people join you? So the easiest thing to do is to either go to oxfordamerican.org or our Facebook page and just look for the link for Point South Live. It's completely free to come. We'd love for as many people to be there as can. Uh, and you just have to click a link and register so that we know how many, how many folks to expect. There is something about a conversation like this that's always, you know, enriching and, and motivating. But when you put a live audience with it, something different happens. And it's hard to describe, but having been part of some of these, there's just an energy in the room. And I think given the last two years, that energy is going to be crackling on Monday. I think so, too. And energy is a really hard thing to articulate. You know, I think a lot about the word vibes. Vibes is something that I think a lot about in my life and when I'm setting these up. But I think it was Walter Pater who said that all art aspires to the form of music. And I think that's because it uses so much of our sensory experience. You know, when you are listening to music, it's, it's invoking most of your senses in some capacity. So there's that aspect of having a live performance and even just feeling the vibrations of the room. And it'll be so close that you'll probably be able to hear the guitar without, you know, you'll obviously be hearing what's coming out of the speaker, but you will hear Buffalo Nichols's voice and guitar as if it's in that same space. And we're also going to be projecting the artworks of Toby 
and having him engage each of the pieces. And I have rarely had opportunities where I've been able to talk to a visual artist where they're speaking specifically to their work. And while um, his work is not one of the main displays in 21C, it is in the hotel. So I think people will have an opportunity to even get to go up the elevator and see the work on display. And to have that kind of proximity between the artist and the art, it's just not something that I think is, is readily available. Uh, so that energy is something that I'm, I'm really thrilled about. The Points South podcast live taping is Monday night, beginning at 7 at 21C in Bentonville. We talked with Sarah Lewis via Zoom yesterday. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, bringing live music to the auditorium in Eureka Springs. Appearing Wednesday, March 23rd, is American singer-songwriter Lyle Lovett and his acoustic band, and performing Friday, March 25th, is the Marshall Tucker Band 50th Anniversary Tour with the Outlaws. Tickets at thundertix.com for more. This is your public radio station for more than 37 years. KUAF 91.3 Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Garfield. I'm Timothy Dennis. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Patrick Kellums. Timothy produced today's show inside the Harold Blanchcock News Studio. He also produced today's Sound Perimeter. Contributors today included Matthew Moore, Paul Gatling, and Leah Uribe. The Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is produced by Stephanie Brock, which comes to us through our partnership with Talk Business and Politics. You can find more news from around the state at their website, talkbusiness.net. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. And our daily show, this one is available as a podcast through any major podcast distributor. You can find past shows, past stories, and past interviews online at ozarksatlarge.com. And if you ever miss a daily edition of Ozarks at Large, just ask your handy smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large, and you'll hear the most recent edition of our show. We're back tomorrow at noon and 7, and then we will be back, or Kyle will be back, Sunday morning at 9 with an edition of Weekend Ozarks at Large. And I just want to let you know that we have the fourth edition of the Lunch Hour in the KUAF lobby tomorrow. If you haven't registered yet, I don't know if we have much room left. No, I mean, it's over 40 that we already have committed. All right. Well, we'll bring you highlights if you can't be there. Exactly. All right. Thanks so much for being with us. From the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis.